this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we finish Titus with Devoted to Good Works and then move into Ruth with Intro to Ruth, Naomi Prepares to Return to Bethlehem, Ruth's Loyalty, and Call Me No More, Naomi. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. Well, he healed the sick and afflicted. After a long exile, God is ready to return his people to the land that he had promised to Abraham. They will return from exile, but one of the necessary tasks that they have before them is to rebuild the temple. Why was the temple important and why was it necessary to rebuild it when they returned? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to teach a Sunday school lesson today, the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra chapter 3 and Nehemiah chapters 8 and 12, Pastor Tom Baker, host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, welcome back. Thank you. What had happened to the temple prior to our lesson today? What had happened was uh, Babylonian captivity had occurred, where Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and taken many of the Jews into Babylonian captivity. Uh, They were there for 70 years. And then under Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, he wanted to gain the favor of the different nationalities in his empire. And it was another example of how the Lord God used individuals to accomplish his purpose when he allowed the people, if they wanted, to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And the primary person was, of course, Ezra, and Nehemiah was kind of the construction guy in rebuilding the city and the temple. Why had God allowed his own house to be destroyed? Because of their disobedience and idolatry. They were worshiping other gods. They no longer worshiped the true God. And in fact, they put those gods in his temple, which really made him angry. And so, as a consequence of their disobedience, He permitted them to be taken into exile, where they stayed there for 70 years. Why was the temple so important? The reason the temple was so important was because this is where God had established his presence. And therefore, when people wanted to worship God, they would go to the temple. We know that this also occurred during the time of Jesus when Herod had rebuilt as much of the temple as he thought was necessary, and people would go there, but they then also began to do idolatry until Jesus cursed 
the temple because of their idolatrous practices. And this is what happened with those Jews who were in Babylon. Why was it necessary to rebuild the temple? It was necessary to rebuild the temple simply because this is a promise that God had given to his people. And that promise was that he would restore them back to the land of Israel, rebuild the temple, and again they would be able to worship him. And so a number of people, not everybody, but a number of people returned. And they returned with Ezra, Nehemiah, and another very important person they returned with a fellow priest called Joshua. Now, why he's important is because that is the name of Jesus. There are three names of Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. The king who took over from Moses was Joshua. That is after the name of Jesus. The prophet was Hosea, which also comes from the name Jesus. And then the priest was this priest who was the son of Josac, and he came and he rebuilt the altar of the God of Israel so that burnt offerings could be done on it, as was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So we've got three people, very important, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Joshua. Tell us about the rebuilding of the temple. Well, the rebuilding of the temple, actually, they began to do the worship prior to the fact that the structure of the temple was restored. And they hired individuals who had the capacity to rebuild the structure of the temple after the altar had been restored. And they did that with money that they had gotten. It says in chapter 3, the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring what? Cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa, according to the grant that they had been given from king of Persia, namely Cyrus. So in the second year, after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, 
Zerubbabel, the son of Sheleth, and Yeshua, they made a beginning together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They also appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Yeshua, the priest, with his sons and his brothers and his sons, namely, they supervised the workmen in the house of God and their sons and their brothers rebuilt the temple. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests were in their vestments, came forward with trumpets, and the Levites with cymbals to praise the Lord. And this was all done according to direction of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, particularly for he is good, for his steadfast love endures toward Israel. Now, all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But then there were a number of priests and older men. They had seen the first temple, and with loud voice, they were saddened when they saw the foundation of this second house being built, because it wasn't near as spectacular. And they shouted aloud. But the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of those who were weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. And so even though there were adversaries opposing the production of the temple, it was constructed according to God's command. And therefore, they were able to worship again. What was the book of the law that was found? Yes. The book of the law, we believe, was actually the book of Deuteronomy, written by Moses. And all the people gathered as one into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Moses then was read by Ezra. The fact of the matter, though, the people in Ezra's day no longer spoke or understood Hebrew. And Ezra, therefore, had to translate the book of the law for them because Aramaic 
was the common language. And so Ezra read the book of the law translated into Aramaic facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who would understand. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they found their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground in bowing their heads. Then Yeshua is mentioned again with a number of priests and Levites, and he continued to teach the proper understanding of the law. And the people wept when they heard the law read because they realized how sinful they had been. And yet they were joyous because God had forgiven that sin and taken them into a heavenly situation. And for that, they had great joy. Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. We're teaching a Sunday school lesson on the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra 3 and Nehemiah 8 and 12. We'll talk about the resupply of the temple next. Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Sanctifying your commute with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're teaching a Sunday School lesson on the rebuilding of the temple with Pastor Tom Baker of Law and Gospel. Tom, tell us about the resupplying of the temple's storehouses and workers. Yes. To resupply it, uh, the people were encouraged to continue to give to the temple. And there was a temple tax. 
and in chapter 12, verses 44 to 47 of Nehemiah, we are told that on the day the men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, they entered into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered to them. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David, there were directors of the sinners, and there were songs of praise. There was thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites. And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. And that's how not only was the altar rebuilt, the foundation was rebuilt, but storerooms were brought into the temple to continue to have worship for the people of God. How did the temple foreshadow Christ? The temple foreshadowed Christ because if you take a look, there was a holy of holies, and only the high priest was allowed to enter that once a year on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice for the people. The other people were not allowed to enter it. But that is where the presence of God was. And we will recall that on the cross, when Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn in two. What was that temple curtain? It was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And it didn't mean that now you could go into the Holy of Holies, but that God left the Holy of Holies. And where was the temple now? The temple was in the body of believers who trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation, who believed the promises from the cross and throughout the ministry of Jesus. And the people were again able to worship God in wonderful adoration and blessing. After the temple was finally destroyed in 70 AD, why was it unnecessary for it to be rebuilt? It was unnecessary because at that destruction, Jesus had already cursed the temple and had indicated that the Holy of Holies would never occur 
within that building. The Holy of Holies now was in the believers, in their hearts. They received that because of their baptism into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that baptism, they received also the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and began to do works of sanctification. These works did not save them because they were already saved by the blood of Christ, but they were a result of the faith that the Holy Spirit had given to them in bringing them to a right knowledge of who God truly was, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where do the Sunday school children then find God's presence today? The Sunday school children find God's presence in the Word of God. The Word of God, which is spoken by Jesus himself. Behold, God says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. He has many, many blessings that Christians who have faith in their heart receive, not because they have merited it, but because they have inherited it, as did the sheep in the parable of the sheep and the goats, where the sheep inherited the kingdom of God. And therefore, the children are encouraged to read their Bible at home, to attend worship, to attend Sunday school, where the Sunday school teachers can share with them the message of Jesus Christ, who died so that they will never really die, and who lives so that they also will live forever in their heavenly home. Finally, what's the long gospel of this lesson? The law is that God wants us to know about what a sinner we are. Why? Because that is how we are prepared for worship. When we recognize that we are sinners and we are in fearful of God's wrath, then the gospel comes through and forgives us of those sins. And through his son, Jesus Christ, we worship him, giving him praise and honor and all things, because it is through him that heaven will be our home and that heaven begins at the moment of our baptism. Pastor Tom Baker hosts a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, thanks. Thank you. Pastor Will Whedon joins us to look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. We'll talk about pre-Lent next.
Grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc.